baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Now, first of all, the word bipartisan sets off alarm bells in my head every time I hear it. As, uh, as because it often we're on the losing end of those things. But uh, tell, tell me what this is about. And uh, you've written an entire blog piece about it there on, on uh, our website, 971talk.com. Yeah, because you and I have talked about it this week and uh, debated it a bit. But I, I would like to see some clarification specifically for what the role of the vice president is. Okay. Now, my fear is, as yours probably is, that this bill will get out of that. So this will end up trying to define a whole lot of other things about how we object to electors. That's all fine. The way that we have objections to elect electors right now is fine. You have what I think it's one House member and one Senate member have to together say we object. And then it goes through a process. And that's that's terrific. That's actually the way it was designed. But the vice president's role itself is not very defined, and I would like to see that better defined. Okay, interesting. So I'm going to read from uh, the Electoral Count Act here as it stands now. It basically says the votes having been ascertained and counted, uh, the result of the they never took a breath in here. Clearly nobody was reading the stuff as they wrote it. The result of the same shall be delivered to the president of the Senate, who shall thereupon announce the state of the vote, the announcement shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the persons, if any, elected president and vice president of the United States, and together with the list of votes, be entered into the journal of the two houses. Now, at that point, if there's an objection by a senator and a member of the House, then and that's received, that's when... The president, the, the the acting president, which would be the vice president, has a chance to object to this. I'm not sure that it's not clear. I think this is all a knee-jerk reaction to January 6th. They seem to think that if they cleared up the question of, of what Mike Pence could have done or couldn't have done that day, that this would have made this would have taken the air out of January 6th. We don't need the air taken out of January 6th. The 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 constitutional the constitutional reason we were all there was to clarify whether or not there was malfeasance in the November elections. And that's your last chance to do it. If if once those slates of electors get approved, as we've proven, then the next president gets sworn in on the 20th. Well, I don't disagree with you. And that's why I like this debate is because you and I tend to fall on the same side of issues most of the time. And yes. I think this one we're fighting over a little bit. But in in this case, I'm not talking about January 6th at all. And you're right. This is a reaction to January 6th as if, well, if we had just told Mike Pence, this is your role, none of January 6th would have happened. That's not the case at all. But I still don't know. And I I would love if you did. What would have happened if Mike Pence had objected to a slate of electors? So so my understanding is it all it's not that he could reject it and make it invalid. But he could reject it and have it sent back to the state if there are competing uh, slates of electors uh, or if there's a question about how those electors were arrived at. If you don't have that final stopgap measure, 
then we end up in the situation we're in now where where the the results were certified by the by the House and the Senate that day, largely because everybody was upset over what happened on January 6th that should never have happened. And any serious debate got lost in all of that, and it was rubber stamped. And now we don't know uh, what what malfeasance might have happened that day. Whereas the legislatures might have had another chance to look at that if it had been sent back to them. Is that what would happen, though? Because is, let's say uh, Mike Pence says, OK, Arizona, we're sending it back because we got two slates of electors. Then it goes back to Arizona. Then who decides? Well, they might just rubber stamp it and send it right back. Yeah. I mean, we do, and odds are that's what would happen. What we discovered on January 6th, what the, 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 the true measure of what's going on here is that nobody's got the cojones to challenge this. The the state legislators, Republicans control two-thirds of them. They don't have it, even in states where there were questions. And the judges in this country don't have it because they don't want to be the one that threw the election question into the courts and upended the system. Nobody wants to be that person, but it's that important. Somebody needed to be, but nobody is. So now they want to make sure that it's never that if the vice president ever had that power, they don't have it anymore, which is just one less cog in the wheel, in my opinion, to being able to slow down the what happened in 2020 or fix what happened in 2020. I would just like to see, like you said, the state legislatures have the cojones ahead of time, then send it in, because by the time they've sent it in, they should have already figured that out. And part of your argument the other day was, well, what if it's Kamala Harris sitting there yep. and she and Joe Biden have just gotten defeated by Donald Trump and Christy Nome, and uh, she doesn't want to certify the election. So she alleges fraud in in, in Georgia and, and refuses to certify those electors. Yep. And that was the difference in the election. Yeah. And I, I want to see that defined ahead of time so that Kamala Harris can't stand up and say, not what you're saying, which is, well, let's send this back to the states, but just say, well, I choose this slate over this slate yeah. because that needs to be defined so she can't do that in 2025. What does he know? Wiggins, America. The topic, of course, is Mike Pence, January 6th. What would his role have been? What should his role have been? What should he have done? Did he do anything wrong? Do you agree with what he did? A lot of people on all sides of the aisle have thoughts about actually I should say on the right <clears throat> there is a split decision on this and uh, I have been in both camps because uh, I can see both sides of this one I can see how you thought well maybe he should have stepped in and said look there were two slates of electors from every well not every but many of the swing states this needs to be addressed I was in that camp I still find myself in that camp to some extent that he should have stepped forward and said, there are dual slates. We have to address this. However, I'll, I'll put my, uh, my other side of the aisle, I guess of the right side, the other side of the right side of the aisle hat on here and say that I also get that I don't know what he should have done because it's unclear what would have happened if he had done that. Does do, does the Senate override him? Does the House and Senate come together and say, no, you can't do that? Um, do they appoint somebody else to just count? You know, I, there, there's been a lot of discussion. And then let's say they can't do that. Does it go back to the states 
and then the state legislatures have to vote on which slate of electors they're putting forth. Because for the most part, that already had happened because I don't think there was one state where the the other slate of electors got a majority of the votes. There was always a majority that put forth the ones that got counted as we know it. So part of me, just out of curiosity, would have liked to seen what would have happened. But part of me doesn't want to look forward and see what would happen if Kamala Harris were to do that. Because we're talking about an, a possibility, of course, in 2025 that you're going to see again number 45 become num- number 47 in Donald Trump, president number, of course. And Kamala Harris slash the entire left is going to lose their minds and go berserk if that's the case. And they're going to declare, well... We've got Kamala Harris because the right already told us that she could not count. Well, the right was saying, it wasn't saying you just cannot count them. It was just saying, look, if you have dual slates and there are issues that are unresolved about possible fraud issues, which, by the way, if you haven't seen, check out Dinesh D'Souza's new movie that's coming out. I think it's called 200 or 2000 Mules, something like that. It's got mules in the title. Watch the trailer. It's not, the movie's not out yet. Watch the trailer and tell me that that's not going to change the conversation a little bit on fraud. But anyway, back to the point here. Back to the, the point of the article that I have up at 971talk.com. And I do believe it's at my website, wigginsamerica.com. Um, don't quote me on that, though. Uh, this is an issue that's becoming you know, in the foreground here because of a group of bipartisan senators bringing it to the foreground. And you might not like those bipartisan senators. They include Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema from the left. Angus King is an independent. He's, he's, he caucuses with the left, but he's more of an independent than Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is independent because he's further left than the left. And then you also have Susan Collins and some of the middle ground Republicans. So these are people that you may not agree with very often. They're the ones putting this forward. So immediately I get... If, you, if your alarm bells go off and you go, eh, what is this? Well, apparently it's a measure to define what the vice president's role and how do you object to electors. Now, I like some of this. I will say that. I like defining what the vice president's role is because the Electoral Count Act of 1887 came along and tried to clarify that already, <clears throat> excuse me, but didn't do a very good job of it. So we still don't know what the vice president can or can't do when that happens. And you might say, Ryan, I wish you'd shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, then don't tune in. Go listen to music. Um, I don't know why I said that. Um, but hear me out on this, because what we're talking about is not just looking back at what Pence should or shouldn't have done, which I just got done discussing. It's looking forward at what Kamala Harris can or can't do. Now, if you can get a bipartisan group of senators, not just from the middle to left, but from your Ted Cruz's and your Mike Lee's and your Rand Paul's to your um, far left Chuck Schumer's and whoever else that you want to count among the far left, um, if you can get all of them on board with just clarifying what the vice president can do on January 6th, 2025, or the next four years after that or beyond that, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Now, here's where people disagree with me, and this is where I argued a little bit with Mark Cox, which is rare. I I don't argue with Mark a lot. Um, But 
he and I, he says there needs to be a greater check and balance, and that's a check and balance on the system. Agreed. I, I actually, that principle, I completely agree with. I don't think we should lose a check and balance. I just don't think that's the check and balance. I think that's a hole in the system that could be exploited. And so far hasn't, and you can feel however you want about that. It hasn't been exploited yet. The vice president has never done a thing in that situation. I think even in 1964, five, when it was Nixon versus John F. Kennedy, there was a dual slate presented from Hawaii, like legitimately presented. And he did not acknowledge them at all. He just took the one that had the majority of legislatures. Maybe that sets a precedent. Maybe it doesn't. My point is it hasn't been defined. So if these senators can come together and define what the vice president's role in that situation is, I don't think America loses. Now, here's what's also to here's something to be afraid of. And actually, let me finish talking about. So Mark Cox brought up that that as a check and balance uh, agreed. It can be. But my view is that the check and balance needs to happen from the states themselves. Once it gets to Congress, there are ways that senators, along with House Republicans or not House, House members, can object. And that's fine, too. Leave that in place. That's actually being talked about as being changed. I don't think that should be changed. I, I would like it to narrowly focus on just what the vice president can or can't do. And maybe they define that the vice president can kick it back to state legislatures because they want to know exactly which slate to choose. That's fine. Just clarify it. Because right now, we don't know what would happen. And that's what I don't like. Because it really could go into chaos. Let's say Kamala Harris steps up and goes, you know what? Pennsylvania is going to decide this election. So I am just going to not count Pennsylvania. And let's say that would have pushed it over to Trump in 2024 to five. I, I don't like the idea that a vice president has the control to be able to do that. I wouldn't mind if the Senate and the House all together said, here's what the vice president can do in that situation. Let's say she doesn't like the fact that Pennsylvania sent two slates of electors. Send it back to Pennsylvania. Make them officially vote. I mean, I don't, but I, here's again, I think that's already happened once we get to this point. But maybe they say, okay, send it back to Pennsylvania. Vice president sees issues. Send us your slate of electors, and it has to have unanimous decision, or it has to have just majority decision from your state legislature. Whatever that is, defining it to me is not a bad thing. I'm all over the map here because there's so many different... I think the point of this is that there's so many different things that could happen, and I'm presenting so many of them, that it feels like schizophrenic. But the takeaway here is that I think personally... It would not be a bad thing to define that. And you can read that article because it talks about where it's at right now, who's in support of it, who's not, all at 971talk.com. It's up there at our website. Get more at 971talk.com. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.